folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 223 of Channel Massive. You've got your hosts right here, ready to rumble. Ready to I'm rock. Noah. And I'm Mark. And we are Channel Massive. <laughs> I like that. It sounded way more enthusiastic than I could have done. <laughs> we, I, well, I hope that our listeners are enthusiastic to hear us talk this evening. And potentially share some of their own winsome thoughts about the topics at hand. We're going to be talking to you about silent protagonists. Do you like them or do you hate them? Or are you one? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think many of our listeners are silent protagonists, actually, now that you bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) We'll then talk about tablet gaming. Is it undeniable? Is Is it inevitable? As someone over Nintendo has said. And then a little bit of MMO news to round us out. We're going to talk about when the older public is going free to play much sooner, very soon, sooner than I expect at least. And what are the results? What has been reaped from Pandaria? (laughs) Much, much, much panda ears. Many pandas. Before we get into that, Mark, tell us what you've been playing. I have been playing uh, pretty much exclusively League of Legends. I um, I am still planning on getting that Mass Effect uh, trilogy thing, but uh, oh, when I went to the yes, store to grab out. it, they, they didn't have it yet. So What? Yeah, I went to a game game uh, stop near my my work and did not have it in stock. I could have ordered it, but it's like, well, if I was going to order it here, I'll just order it through. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Just was annoyed. How dare you not have it? <laughs> so. Um, that's been pretty much it. I'm really enjoying, you know, the League of Legends stuff lately more more than ever. So I'm just clocking lots and lots of time with it, and uh, it continues to keep me entertained. What about you? Yeah, <laughs> that's great, uh, Mark. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of true for me, too, League of Legends. is The only thing that I'm playing, but I don't think I really... I can't remember playing it recently just because I had another weekend where I was completely gone and away. When will it end? I'm getting a little tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is about three or four weekends in a row. Now, granted, the stuff I've been doing has been fun, but right. when your regular time off never materializes for like a month even if you're doing other stuff it just feels like something's missing right that recharge time i guess the time to clean my place so it doesn't look like an episode of hoarders (laughs) it's just like i I think it's all compounding i'm not getting my game time in i'm not getting my house chores cleaning time in and it's just all like uh it's kind of like a muck you should never give me a house key. I just feel compelled to drop stray cats off there. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what this place needs more of. Cats. Yeah, stray cats. Yeah. <laughs> but I did I did get to play just a little bit of FTL, the opening tutorial. What'd you think? I thought it was really cool. I definitely want to try it some more. I the you told me about FTL. I hadn't gotten a chance to see it, and then I saw the trailer that I shared with you for lovers in a space time, blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And I thought that that looked really cool. And if listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It looks really, yeah. really cool. It's some kind of downloadable small game that you're like in this bright pink Death, Death star. star. And there's two of you and you kind of have to do platforming to run around all the different stations around the edge of this death star. And it's, it's kind of like that. It was inspired by the scene and, was it Empire Strikes Back or was it Star Wars? I think it was Empire Strikes Back. 
Or is yeah. it, it, was it Star Wars? Where Han Solo and Luke Skywalker running around. Yeah, there. I think it was the first one when they were running around. Um, yeah, man and the, the guns to shoot. Yeah. That's what this lovers in the space time, blah, 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 is like. You have to literally run, like one person has to run to move the shields, and they have to run over to the gun turrets that are only on one side of the ship, and then there's like a giant space cannon that's somewhere else. Yeah. So I saw that. I'm like, that looks so cool. Check it out, Mark. It's not out until next year, but it doesn't look awesome. It does. You got me FTL as a gift, which was really cool. And I finally got to try the tutorial. And you noted that in an interview with the Lovers in the Space Time creators that they were partially influenced by FTL. And once I started up FTL, I'm like, well, I can see where that came from. Because you yeah. top-down schematic or blueprint or floor plan of a spaceship. Yeah. And you kind of have to open doors, close doors, run people over to certain stations to run it. Except it's much more complicated than yeah. the F, uh, lovers in the space-time thing. But right, it looks yeah. fun. I just was my my initial my initial reaction was like, oh, this is a lot of stuff to juggle all at once. But yeah, sure it is. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping that there's a learning curve in it. It's not just like man at all, all of it. <laughs> Yeah, I think when I played it, it starts out kind of easy, and then it starts to get you know more difficult. But it, it's a great learning. It's a you know a well thought out curve. It's not like you're just instantly thrown to the wolves, you know. Because also in that one, it's not platforming based because it's top down. But right. There's a certain room for the shields. There's a certain room for the guns and for the torpedoes. And there's buttons everywhere and. There's a button to close all the doors. There's a button to vent everything. Vent fires out. <laughs> I know. Vent your crew if you really are so. <laughs> disappointed like with their performance. What's there's that? Like, there's like a there's like an overall fuel bar and there's an oxygen bar. Oh yeah. And there's some kind of I can't remember. This like a energy something. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, energy. Yeah. And then there's instrumentation in each of the rooms that can be damaged, and so you can, you know, try and repair it. But if everything's on fire, you have to first, you know, deal with the fires. And it's it's fascinating how they how they did it. I just feel like when I play it, I'm piloting the Enterprise around or something. You know? Yeah. And I get attached. You know, it kind of randomly generates the names of the crew aside from the first one, and it, or the first three that you make. But you you know you pick up new crew, and when you lose one. I I get kind of bummed. I mean, it makes me sad when they die. I can imagine that. And the the first thing that it kind of took me to was it took me back to my my many hours with Mass Effect this year because I just fell in love with the ship that you fly in those games. And you have this entire crew taking care of things. You're upgrading elements of the ship. But it's still more of a glorified... Uh, hub and travel tool, you right. don't have to worry about, not at least until the third game, and even then it feels more like a mini game. you don't actually have to worry about flying the ship or managing its resources or systems, but still, it's such a sweet ship. And yeah. it, that's kind of what it reminded me. is like, wow, this is kind of like if I truly was a captain that had full control over the basic operations of everything. Yeah, totally. You know, and deciding and you know you get some decisions too like how you know there's this is you get a thing like this is going on here what do you want to do and you're like oh do i interfere do i just let these people you know float off into space and die what do i do it's it's really cool how it does that so i'm sure you'll you'll have more to say about it when you you've clocked a few more hours but i'm glad you're glad you're checking it out yeah i'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of it so what have you got going on in the general geekery side of things? I, I've been expecting a story here. Oh, yeah. So your friend, um, Dan. Your friend. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's how I know him is 3D, I guess. Um, uh, Dan. Who's been on um, the show before. Yeah, he sent me an invite to play Pathfinder, which I, w- I had mentioned before that I was kind of fascinated by um, that game and, you know, what it, what it could maybe... Uh, you know, bring um, to the table as far as like replacing um, or being a kind of a fork on the rule set from Dungeons and Dragons um, Advanced 3.5. So I was really curious about it, but never thought I'd get a chance to 
um, you know, experience it just because I don't really have the time on the weekends to dedicate to like an ongoing campaign. And he sent me this um, email that said, hey, we're going to play it Saturday. It's just kind of a one one off kind of ad hoc thing. But if you'd like to check it out, I'm going to have uh, Pathfinder um, basic rules and uh, we, we can give it a shot. And I was like, yeah, I think I can make that work. And it actually worked out. And I, you know, I met him at four o'clock at a, a game uh, place. Um, I think it's called like Dark Matter or something like that. It's um, it's over in uh, my part of town. And uh, so it was close by, you know, close mm-hmm. to home. Mm-hmm. Just went over there, um, met a couple of people that I think you probably play with regularly. Yeah, in some your of campaign. my original D&D buddies. Yeah. And I, I can't remember their names, which is Sarah really sad. Sarah and Doug, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I uh, so we got a campaign set up. He had like because the box set kind of comes with a uh, a module or whatever they're called um, with Pathfinder. Um, we just jumped into that adventure and it was cool. He was all prepared, you know. He had like um, the guys at the, the the place actually gave him these little um, um, not like the pewter figures. Or anything, but they had like these little, um, they had like a little disc that held them up, and they were cardboard representation of the, the characters that you could choose. Oh yeah, yeah. And we and we like went with pre-made characters. We didn't like roll our own or anything. And so, um, I it was just so such a cool like retro experience for me because I haven't really played a role-playing game like a pen and paper role-playing game for like 20 years. So it was really, really different um, for me. <laughs> um, very nostalgic. You know, and it was funny because the rules just felt really natural, and you know, didn't I wasn't struggling with like any concepts um, or anything like that. It didn't seem like they had tried to change things up from Dungeons and Dragons too much. But he's a really good DM, and he's really funny. And um, I think my favorite part was this, when we were playing. Uh, I think Sarah kind of was kind of taking the lead as far as the party, and I was just you know kind of. And just enjoying the experience and kind of in the background. And we got to this part where we ran into this Goblin King and his four minions. And um, and Dan was hilarious because he would, like, role-play them with these crazy voices, like, what do you do here? You know, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so um, they, were, they were like, oh, we need to talk our way out of this one for sure. We don't want to fight five of them. There's only three of us. Well, four of us. She, Sarah played two characters. She played like a warrior oh, wow. and, and she played a thief and, um, and then Doug played a wizard and we we're all level one. So wizards, when they're level one, just are not exactly a force of nature normally, but, um, but anyway, you know, we were all worried about it. And so we were looking at our stats to see who had the highest diplomacy, and mine was like a 17, so I was elected to do the speaking. So I started negotiating with them, and and so, you know, they, we knew we were headed towards a dragon, and they confirmed that, that that was kind of like the boss for, like, the module. And um, my concern was they wanted to come with me, but they I, they wouldn't promise to be the front line of defense, which was my whole plan for them was to be, you know, expendable. Yeah. And they wouldn't do it. They said, no, 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 we won't do that. And so I was worried that they were going to get near, get up to the dragon and maybe, like, turn on us and we'd be in a bad place. So I just made this decision that let's take the king out and maybe the others will be more agreeable. And so um, we got into a big battle with them. And when it was all done, three of them survived. And Dan came up with names for them. But what was funny was they became, they were totally, like, they thought I was, like, the master. And they totally ignored <laughs> the other guys. And so basically I had my three minions and I had, you know, names for them and I kept like role playing it up with, you know, telling them that, um, you know, one of them would be number one and the re- the other one would be number two and then number three. <laughs> and it was so good to be number one because you didn't have to stand in front of the other two whenever we found something scary and all this stuff. And, and so then like wh- whichever one would do well in combat, in any situation that followed, I would promote that one to number one. And then one of them died. <laughs> I think his name was like Splurg or something. He died horribly. Um, he was really, it was really nasty how he died. So we, you know, we were pretty sad about that. But anyway, it was just really fun. I had a good time. Um, they actually survived the module. So Dan's like looking into, if we ever get together and play again, he's looking into rules to level them up. Um, <laughs> so I can keep my minions and, uh, and uh, yeah, what type of character were you playing as? Uh, I was a cleric. 
Oh, and wow. um, she actually, it was a female cleric, and it was really funny because at one point she actually came in really handy. Like, she hadn't done much. In fact, I was always, like, kind of the last one in the room because I didn't want to die. Um, so they were calling me, like, the cowardly cleric. But at one point she, like, actually came in and, like, used her godly powers to totally save, like, the whole encounter pretty much. So that was pretty cool. Dan told me there was a point where... Doug's character died or something, or was about to die. Yeah, yeah. And you forced the, you made the goblins heal him somehow. Yeah, well, we got this wand of healing, and um, I, how did it work? Um, yeah, we gave it to Doug, so we'd have like a backup healer. Mm-hmm. And um, when the cleric, when he, when he was hurt, I was so I was all the way across the room. So I couldn't get to him. So I had my minion run over and grab his rod of healing, which was in his hand, and basically take it out of his hand, fumble around, and use it on him. But the funniest part was, as Dan described as the goblin, was basically bashing him with this rod of healing, and then it finally activated. <laughs> so, so it was a pretty – a lot of the imagery was really, really humorous. That's great. Um, but, yeah, we kept – we got Doug to live. I, I found out I could heal stuff really well, and – had this like burst healing thing I could do, which came in pretty handy. Um, I like um, that you just made the whole ridiculous hierarchy of who's number one. <laughs> oh yeah, that was their whole reason to live. After a while, was to, to <laughs> pass up the other two to ascend to the the chief lieutenant position. That's so something you would do, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> which is what makes it funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> totally me. <laughs> Dan yeah. thought it was hilarious. He was telling me about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he said it's great. Because like he mentioned that it was something like what I would do is just do something irreverent to make the game more amusing. Oh. <laughs> so I hope I hope someday, Mark, that we get to play a game together so there will be two of us being irreverent. Oh my gosh, yeah, that would be total blast. <laughs> adding zaniness to it. Yeah. In my current D&D campaign, I've, we've had like nine or ten sessions now, the one that Dan runs. And there's this guy who plays a, a dwarf, and his name's Roger, of all things. I think he deli- this is the kind of guy who would deliberately pick a name like Roger versus some medieval renaissance sounding name like the rest of us chose. He chose Roger, and uh, I just don't call him that. I just call him Dwarf. dwarf. <laughs> and he <laughs> makes a point of being angry about it and insinuating that I'm racist <laughs> because I just call him dwarf all the time. I'm like, it's what you are. And call him dwarf. <laughs> there was one time where he got hit or something. He was getting near death. I'm like, Roger. And it's just, <laughs> that was when I decided to say his name, you know, pleading for his life. But uh, it just makes oh, the game nice. more fun. Yeah, it and does. I added it into my character's backstory that I have a reason for my racial prejudice against dwarfs because dwarfs. a dwarf screwed me over once. So oh, okay. he doesn't know that yet, though, because I'm just doling my backstory out <laughs> sentence by sentence over each of the oh, sessions. So it's taken forever. Yeah. yeah, that was my only regret was that it wasn't an ongoing campaign where I could roll a character, you know, from scratch and stuff. But yeah, fun. I've heard so much about your past characters. I hope that. <laughs> Eventually, time opens up in your schedule so that you can do that and you can have another epic character again. My one, my one-legged warrior, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Into the fray, hop, hop, hop. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Was really fun. So that was that was a really good time for me. I'm gonna look back on that fondly. I think it's a well-spent Saturday night. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that's my general geekery. I mean, there's more, but I think this is enough to dole out for this episode. For my general geekery, I'll just touch on it briefly. I I got to see Wreck It Ralph, which I was really stoked about. Yeah, it's getting good reviews. Yeah, it did, and I was just happy to see a game that ha- that was steeped in so much video games that it wasn't just somebody who likes video games. It, it's been a while since that I can remember where there's been a game, there's been a movie steeped this much in video games, aside from ones that are based on video game properties, which usually don't have much to do with the video games. Right. Something like the wizard or the last Starfighter, those games, those movies from the eighties that really pivoted on video games. So too does Wreck-It Ralph and 
the graphics and animation are really well done. Something I I wasn't expecting until I read the reviews was that the the movie spends like two thirds of its time in the Sugar Candy Land go kart racing game. Really? Yeah, and wow. the idea of him hopping from one game to the next, trying to find some kind of way to prove himself and be a hero. I mean, that's his main motivation, but it's it's a very brief moment, and the cameos are are in the first third of the game, but or gosh, I keep getting mixed up in the first third of the movie. But I, I don't know if the writers were up to the challenge or if they felt that if they went too far down that angle, that the there wouldn't be enough audience to appreciate it. So then. Once it gets oh. Candyland area, it's more just lots of candy puns, which I was in a really good mood. I got a bunch of candy deliberately because I knew this, so I was eating lots of sugar and candy, <laughs> and I was laughing at these cheesy jokes. And it's pretty charming. It's not as super awesome as I would love it to be, but it wasn't bad. I, I thought it was good fun and it had a, a decent moral and oh, great cool. voice acting. I mean, provided that you can tolerate Sarah Silverman. I'm not a super hardcore fan of her, but hers, yeah. but she's okay. And John C. Riley is awesome. And then Jane Lynch is awesome, of course, as well. Yeah, I I think um, Sarah Silverman. Some days I think she's hilarious, and other days I just can't stand her. And I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know what makes you know me. I, I don't know, but it look from all accounts, it sounds like she did a great job on this one. So yeah, so I definitely. If you're a gamer, if you, which you probably are, if you're listening to this show, you should definitely go see the movie. And there, there are some people who are like, I didn't like it, or I wouldn't see it twice. So it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee that you'll love it, but I think that you probably will strongly like elements of it. If yeah. not, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I was gonna take my kids to see it. Would it be uh, okay for kids? Or I mean, I saw it was yeah. a Disney PG. So. Yeah, I mean, there's the sequence where there's people running around shooting the Space Marines se- sequence, but I, I can't imagine that that's much more violent than... Like the Avengers? Or... Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, we were going to go um, this weekend, and um, just I mean, scheduling stuff didn't work out, so... But maybe this coming weekend we'll go. Yeah, it's good. If I were to compare it to Paranorman, that's the last cartoon that I saw, I'd say oh, it's yeah. definitely better, but I love Baron Norman. You know, I did too. I liked it a lot more than most people I've talked to, um, and I, I don't know why that is, but I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I really liked it too. There's elements of that movie that I would have changed or yeah fleshed out, but overall, I still thought it was great. So that's our little movie corner. Let's get into our full-on no. discussion topics. Yes, of which we have a few. Yeah, we have just four. Two of them are more kind of newsy, and two yeah. are more editorial. We'll start out with those ones first. Over on Polygon, which is kind of becoming one of my favorite games. Yeah. Sites. You really, you know, when you told me about it, I, I was like, wow, they, they have some good stuff on that Um Site. Gosh, the word site was really hard for me to dig. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a really good... The staff does a good job of covering the news, and when they write feature stories, they're usually kind of a, an interesting angle, and it's not heavy in the design, which I think makes it a lot easier to read. Right, yeah. It's an but, interesting design. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's funky. It's minimalist, but weird. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate... So there's a, I guess it's a blog post. I, I think, I guess their users can write forum posts that look like a blog, but it's actually a forum thing. So some dude decided to write an editorial about how silent protagonists in video games are misunderstood, if not compared unfairly to video game protagonists who speak. And in this, editorial slash forum post by a user called Rathorial. Rathorial. Rathorial claims that it's like, I'm like, is he gonna, and I'm assuming this is a he just for simplicity's sake, is he gonna go down that 
well-worn justification of saying, by not having the characters talk, that truly puts you in the role, which makes <laughs> it more personal. And that's basically what he does. And, and it's funny he says that because he talks about it as if people, nobody's ever heard that before. Right, right. Understood that. And then... Alien concept. Yeah, and then brings up how the the lead character in Mass Effect, Commander Shepard, even though he or she talks throughout the game and you get to pick various responses, that person is just as much of a blank shell or husk as a silent character. And and you totally agree with that, correct? I disagree with both. Yeah, me too. I think because the idea of a world where everybody talks at you and just works with you and asks you to do things and thanks you and you never say a single thing, that's as feasible as living in a world where it's a constantly a musical. It's about as ridiculous to me in terms yeah. of conceptualizing. It'd be interesting, of course, to do that, to to, to be <laughs> through life without talking or to get through life with constant songs and dances going on. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it's, it's, it's disarming. It's, it's, it's distracting to me. How how do you feel about it, Mark? Yeah, I've I'd never have liked silent protagonists. Um, it's one of the things that I'm not a big fan about of uh, the secret world. In fact, is the way that your protagonist is just spoken to. Um, um, I I certainly didn't. It didn't bother me as much in Half Life and Half Life Two with Gordon Freeman. Um, I don't know why that is. I think that game just had a design that made it really a, kind of unimportant. Um, but in other games that have had that, and um, you know, you mentioned a few, I, I don't like it at all. I really think that the way the Bioware games handles communication um, is perfect. I love that. I love the choices you have. Um, and, and the fact that it's all fully voiced, it makes me like my character a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. I get into my character a lot more, especially like, like with Dragon Age 2, when it had the full voiced character, it was even better. You know, he mentioned Dragon Age 1 kind of had some a non-silent protagonist, but kind of the way they've done it with Mass Effect and Dragon Age 2 and um, the uh, the Old Republic and, and the way I mentioned The Witcher 2, I, I just get a much better feel for my character with that. True, maybe if you're, you know, trying to really role play a character and it's a game where you, um, like one of the Bethesda games or something, where you would like to, you know, have total control over how who this character is and what they do, rather than having, you know, the the name Shepard appended to your character no matter what you try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that it, it, it's a deal breaker for you. But then again, as I've discovered last weekend, if you want to play a real role playing game, it's going to be pen and paper and not um, computer yeah. based, right? So yeah. I I forgot just how different that can be. <laughs> especially with a good dungeon master or whatever, um, or game master. But, um, but yeah, I totally disagree with both points as well. Um, it's sad that we both totally agree on this um, because it would have been a much better um, <laughs> you know, battle to the death. But uh, Eric, I think, doesn't mind silent protagonists. Um, maybe one of these days we can resurrect this conversation with him to see what his thoughts are. Yeah, it's just... It's kind of... I would rather... Because, uh, okay, getting back to your Bioware example, people's common complaint with the Bioware dialogue tree with moral or subjective steering from the gamer is that, well, yeah, I wanted to say what this three-word summary is, but I never would have said it the way that the character subsequently said it. Yeah. And, And. and it's just like, it's not how I would have said it. It's not the right tone. It's not the right words. Or they started out talking about the thing that I wanted them to talk about, but then they change it to something else. And it's just like, well, you need to get over it. <laughs> I would rather have some kind of dialogue that seems realistic than, than none at all. And, and, and the, the concept it's weird because books, for instance, you never have any 
unless it's a choose your own adventure, you don't have any bearing upon how the story goes. You can't right. steer it one way or the other. It's strictly linear. And there are video games that have great stories that are like that. And when people are given some degree of choice, which I think Bioware affords a pretty strong degree of choice. It's a, it's a highly complex choose your own adventure storyline yeah, and the RPGs. That should feel liberating and exciting, especially when you have to make life or death, life or death decisions with characters. I mean, yeah. even the walking dead, which has a simpler conversation trees, simpler conversation trees and action decision points. But you really make major decisions that affect the entire story, and that feels really cool. And maybe you're a step or two removed because you're not literally the person that you see on the screen, but that you're steering it. I feel like you have even more ownership over the story. Whereas if people are just talking at me, I feel like I'm a waiter. I'm a servant to their whims because at the end of the day, games still have linear Structures. I mean, you can have open world stuff and you can choose to do something or not do something. But most games, Zelda is a great example of a silent protagonist. And I think Half-Life is like this, too. You're not talking and yet you're still going to do exactly what the game wants you to do. There's no choice. Right. So if the game's overall structure, if the storyline is still going to be that strict, put the damn dialogue in. Yeah, and I think the argument for that is it's an illusion of choice, but I'd like my illusion of choice. I like to feel like I have I can answer three different ways or five different ways or whatever. You know what I mean? I and, yeah. and in a lot of cases it does actually influence what you do. But yeah, I I want that. I want that option desperately when I play those games. Yeah, when you you can't say anything, you really don't have any choices. You can't you have no voice or the other. Literally. Do the next task. Yeah. Like it or not. And I don't, yeah, I don't like that. And yeah. and it's awkward too now the, with the way graphics are, where especially when the characters are talking to you and they're raising their eyebrows, and you just see your character just kind of if they pan to you at all, um, which blank they don't expression. do. But they, yeah, you got that blank expression, and you're like, God, they must think I'm the dumbest motherfucker in the entire <laughs> planet, you know? And and you you know you you don't want your character to be that way. It's okay, um, <laughs> you know. It's it's kind of a strange thing. So, yeah, it's an interesting story. I mean, it's an interesting you know opinion, but I totally don't don't agree in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. The next thing I'm curious whether you agree with it or not is EVP Nintendo's EVP Scott Moffat's statement that the that the growth of tablets as a gaming device it's undeniable quote. Undeniable. It's undeniable the growth of tablets and their ability to play games, Moffat says, which of course is beneficial to Nintendo, which is about a company that's about to release a game system whose controller yeah. is a tablet with some extra buttons and analog sticks appended to right. it. Right, right. <laughs> a little bit of a self-serving statement. <laughs> and I was kind of curious. Do you feel that if gaming, we've talked about before, I think we talked about, was it, maybe it was last week, the death of console, video game consoles. Do you think we're going to reach a point where tablets as video game devices become so omnipresent, so such a standard for video game experiences that we'll, we'll reach a point where the next video game system from Sony is strictly a tablet or from Nintendo or from Microsoft. No, I disagree with them. Um, I feel like it's just one other way to, it's just one other control system. It would be kind of like saying back in the days of Atari um, 2600s when there was a lot of games like Pong and Warlords and other ones that had paddles um, saying this, this, this is the only controller, um, you know, that'll ever, th- this is the future of controllers. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the, uh, you know, the, the, the joystick is, you know, irrelevant or even maybe even better saying, Oh, look, the trackball after this, you know, <laughs> this is going to change. This is a game changer. You know, they're, they're all different methods of control, but if you have a little tablet 
that you're using for control because there's no tactile feedback right now, although in the future there will be some tactile feedback for tablets, I'm told. Um, right now, and, and even then it'll be like reading Braille, right, if you're looking yeah. up. But right now we like our giant TVs and we like our... Um, we like our immersive sound systems and we like, we like all of that. We don't want to have our entire game world constrained to a little tablet, a tablet where in most interfaces, part of your, one of more fingers is in the way of what you're actually looking at or do interfacing with. So it's a totally different, you know, methodology mm -hmm. for control. And I don't think yeah. it appeals to all games for some things. It would be really cool. For instance, if your monitor, um, was, you know, like, worked like a tablet where it could read your your fingers' um, presence or not, wouldn't it be cool to have, like, an RTS, like, um, say, like, uh, Warcraft 4 or something, where you were just moving your units all around with your hand? I mean, that that might be kind of cool. I don't know. I... I I, I just think it's it's like kind of a yet another option. It's something you add to your your palette as a game designer, and um, you know you could you could make that an option. But I don't think it's the future. I think it's just yet another way to to do the to handle it. You know, Kinect is is a great interface too. But I don't want all my games to be Kinect based. I don't want to have to jump around and do all that to play Street Fighter Two. I could never pull off the Hurricane Kick. You know, <laughs> it would probably kill most people to try that. So, you know, what do you think? Do you, uh, I, I get, I sense that you are not in agreement with him either. I'm not. And I feel it's, it's, as I implied earlier, that it's a quote being generated to, to partially justify we use controller scheme which is yet to be proven as if has been has yet to be proven if it's truly as essential as Nintendo is gambling that it is. Yeah. Microsoft is already, I don't know if it's trying to just copy this concept or be prepared to address it, but we have the Xbox Smart Glass app, which allows you to use your mobile phone or other tablets to have a, a supplementary piece of information or controls to Xbox 360 games. And I read a rumor, I think just today, that in addition to the full-size Surface that has just come out, Microsoft is making a 7-inch Xbox Surface, and it's strictly for Xbox. Wow, I had not heard about that. RT or Windows 8. It'll have its own little Xbox-centric OS and that'll apparently be called Xbox Surface. Xbox Surface. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. Maybe it'll yeah. be a peripheral to the next Xbox, or it'll be the complete Microsoft-owned realization of Smart Glass. Yeah. But as it stands, I is this something that you would call a, a solution in search of a problem? Yeah, pretty much, right? Like, oh I, God, the regular controller. I don't need to have. Yeah, an extra screen, touch screen on the side until everything's like fully holographic and something that I can just wave my hands in the air. Right. Control it. I really don't want to be juggling a controller and a touch screen or something like that. It's I, I know the like the usability for Wii U the way it looks right now is just I don't I don't subscribe to that. I, I it just does it seems so hokey. Yeah, and I, I, I you you can handle it, and I. I I know from experience of playing DS and 3DS games for like the last, I don't know, six or seven years. Yeah. But a lot of the games that I've played on those systems, often they're strictly, they strictly use the control pad and the buttons. Right. Or they're strictly touchscreen. Or if they go back and forth, one or the other is a lot less than, than one is a lot less than the other. So if you have to pull out your stylus and start doing some touchscreen action, it's yeah. only for 25% of the game that you have to do that. And it's kind of more for the sake of variety versus just trying to make you juggle things. Sure, sure. But the ideal experience is one that just uses one or the other. doesn't try to do both because, like you said, Mark, it just gets tedious. Yeah, that that's my big concern. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to multitask like that. I mean, I really don't. And it's not I don't like it's infeasible. It's not like we're being old men here that are like 70 years old and like I can't handle change 
I just don't see the appeal of it. And I don't see the... And the other point is that, you know, Nintendo has kind of got... Japan is kind of a... They've cornered the market there. It's a captive audience. And so when the guy's talking about, you know, their studies and, you know, all indications are that this is the future, maybe among Japanese audiences it is, but, I mean, all the people I know who are big-time Xbox 360 players... Um, where that is like their number one hobby, I think they would throw up on this. I mean, like literally, like hurl. Um, I just, I just, I, I think they, they just would not see it as something that's anything more than a novelty. Yeah. And they wouldn't invest in it. I can tell you that. So we shall see what happens with Nintendo's Wii U. Is it we going to usher a new see. age? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, with motion gaming. Motion controls, that definitely was something legitimate and a lot of fun. Tablets, not such a sure thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I I think there's a time and place for tablet games, and there's definitely um, a time and a place for a console to be like a console. This is not a console. <laughs> <laughs> it's a travesty. Will there be a time and place for you to return to Star Wars The Old Republic? I have been talking about it just because uh, I've got some friends at work that want to play some more. And with the free-to-play thing, you know, the population should be just uh, going crazy, I would imagine. I'm sure there'll be a ton of people resub- not resubscribing, but playing it. And then they'll probably get into it and actually want to be, you know, the uh, premium membership, the freemium of free-to-play, I guess it is. But... Um, I'm planning on it. Are you going to look into it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for an MMO. Yeah. But I think that it's really cool that it's going but free if, to play. Makes sense. There shouldn't be others. There shouldn't be subscription MMOs. Yeah, I don't understand. There's We looked up subscription MMOs when we were putting the show notes together, and there are like 30 of them. That are, you know, pay-to-play, but they're all really pretty minor, with the exception of, well, EverQuest is still pay-to-play subscription. Um, Dark and, Age uh, of Camelot. Dark Age of Camelot, or Dork Age of Camelot, as I like <laughs> to call it. Um, EVE Online. EVE Online, World of Warcraft, of course. You can't leave out the the single the, success yeah. story left in that genre. Um, you know, Final so they're there. Final Fantasies. Yep. And... The Secret World. And The Secret World, which, you know, I'm a big fan of. Um, that one, I I, I want to play that more, and I just something just always prevents me. I think it's because I've just queued up for League of Legends is what happens. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that game. I don't know if it's like in the EverQuest 2 category for me where I just admire what they did with it, but just can't seem to find myself playing it. I don't know. But it was really a cool game. Just not cool enough for me to live my life for. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens um, with the November 15th launch of uh, the free-to-play version of Star Wars Old Republic. I, I'm going to log in and see what's going on, that's for sure. Yeah, and as I understand, some of the Scots are, are coordinating to... Meet they up. are. That's right. I I left them out with my description of people I work with doing it, but yeah, the the Scots are actually also involved. So, so if you guys but, all end up getting back into it, you should meet up in the same place. That would be cool. It'd be very cool. Listeners, once that's made concrete, we'll pass it on here on the show so that you can run into all the wonderful channel massive people and fans and listeners and swing some lightsabers together. (laughs) Somehow that doesn't sound very, uh, I don't know what that's like a reference to, but it, uh, (laughs) don't cross the streams. Um, but yeah, so we'll swing some, we'll swing some lightsabers together. (laughs) Speaking of activities like that, (laughs) <laughs> the Mystic Pandaria has oh, been a yes. success. Yes, despite my my fondest desire that it tank and teach them a lesson. 
You have met, you did mention that several times. Now that you say that, it, it, I'm reminded of that. Yep. That oh, you, you wished a, a vital destiny upon, uh, or a vengeful destiny. Spiteful yeah. Was the word I really did. I just, I just thought it was such a crappy idea. Um, you know, I, I liked Kung Fu Panda. It was a fine show. <laughs> it but was a fine show. The whole expansion thing, and I just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me, and I thought maybe I represented all World of Warcraft players, but apparently not. Maybe I've, maybe I've grown distant, distant from them. I don't know. You've outgrown the world of. I Ezra. think it's out, I think they've outgrown me. <laughs> something, but yeah, it's been a success. They're up to ten million now. Yeah, again. they bounced back, back from their their trough of nine point one million in yeah, August. So nine nine hundred thousand. Um, surplus. So, yeah. Gosh, can you imagine that many, that much money just rolling in? They rolled in uh, two hundred and twenty-six million. In, I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, I think they left out the million in this um, GameSpot story. Yeah. Wow. That is just. And so, and, the, and some of that, of course, has to do with some of Activision Blizzard's. Other titles that have come out, particularly Diablo 3, yep. is potentially helping. And then you'll have the next Call of Duty Black Ops game coming out here within a few weeks, and that's going to make Activision Blizzard's fourth quarter look, or its next quarter look, really great. So I kudos to Blizzard for managing to drag this Warcraft experience out another year or so, at least until the next expansion. Yeah. I'm not sure when this game will go free-to-play beyond its current setup where it's like a year free-to-play until level 20, I think. Yeah, 20. Uh, I was going to ask you, I can't remember, did you finish StarCraft 2, or at least the first? No. no. And the Heart of the Swarm is coming out in... And yeah, the beginning of 2012. So 13, yeah. I mean, of thir- 2013, yeah, it didn't quite make 2012, um, but it is slated for, for at least for the first half. That's all they'll say. That'll Did you be- finish it? Oh, yeah, right away. I mean, I just stopped everything. It and is really I, well done. I surprised myself by not playing much multiplayer after that. Um, I would just start to... player, that's interesting. Yeah, I just did the single-player campaign, and I started to play some multiplayer. I like, checked out their version of Dota, and um, then I just went right back to good old League of Legends for that. <laughs> We're turning into my dad. Yeah. He, he is so obsessed with Call of Duty Modern Warfare. He plays it almost daily, multiplayer. He, he loves first-person shooters, and he'll play through the story campaigns of them if you can pull them away from modern warfare multiplayer long enough but he always ends up going back to modern warfare and he doesn't quite like black ops multiplayer as much just the modern warfare ones and try to get him to play halo multiplayer battlefield multiplayer medal of honor multiplayer nope always back to call of duty modern warfare he likes what he likes he knows what he likes and he likes what he likes and, and that's how we are with League of Legends. <laughs> I know, and I keep trying to move on, but I can't play Heroes of New Earth because it's a total disaster. Yeah. Um, Dota 2 seems incredibly slow for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess there's always go back to original Dota, but I have a feeling that will feel really cumbersome and slow. Uh, we tried that, remember? It's not- yeah. I just, you know, there's like the 3D one. I can't remember what it's called, but that just doesn't look cool at all to me. So, you know, I'm left with, I'm left with uh, League of Legends, and, and it doesn't disappoint me. And now, you know, they've redone the, uh, what is it, the Twisted Tree Line or something like that? Yeah, the 3v3 the, the, map. With with a big old scary spider up top. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're continuing. They're, the champions that they're releasing now seem to have this weird dual-purpose multifunction thing that makes them more complicated to play, but gives them, like, way more... their skills. Yeah, you have all these different options and combinations of things you can do with them. Um, also, you know, the way that some of their attacks and their abilities are working now, they're coming up with some more original ideas. Um, so it's not just, you know, it's not like a remix of Garen every time. It's something yeah. totally different. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying that. And I'm, it's really funny now because after all this time, um, playing that, 
um, I've gone back to a character that I originally wanted to play, and the first time I played him was just so bad with him, I just never did it again, which is Jax. And I don't know if you, 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 you know, familiar with him, but he has yeah, kind of the same, mm-hmm. kind of that same jump that Tristana has, except it doesn't do a area of effect. But he's uh, he's really fun to play. I'm really enjoying him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. We maybe we are becoming like, you know, stuck in a rut gaming wise. I don't know. But I just enjoy it so much. I I just can't say it's you know bad waste of my time. Yeah, it's and there's enough friends. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, there's enough friends playing it that it's fun to just talk to people on Skype and yeah, you know, yeah. Up with them. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like my virtual version of the neighborhood um, blackjack game or something. You or know, bridge. or bridge or, or bingo. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, pinochle or whatever. It's like it's like that. It's that version of it. All I need to do is start drinking scotch and and offend people, and I'll have. Like kind of like <laughs> filled my grandpa's shoes or something, you know. So I don't know, but it does it does work for me. Listeners, let us know what your current ir- irresistible game is. Is it League of Legends or is it something else? Are you totally a World of Warcraft junkie? Although I'd be surprised if any of them are <laughs> listening yeah. to our show still. Are you really into that? Are you, are you into something else? Are you getting a Wii U? You, you're on that bus that tablet gaming is, is the future. <laughs> if you want to just lash out in defense of silent protagonists, especially Gordon Freeman being your hero. Let us know. Or are you going to get into Old Republic free-to-play if you are? Let us know what server you want to play on or, or email us to coordinate that. So... Any feedback that you have, any comments or thoughts, or if you want to get on the swatter free-to-play <laughs> coordination bus, send all of that into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmaster.com. We hope you like this episode. As always, thank you very much for subscribing to the show, for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And we will be back next week. Thank you. Adieu.